Hello and welcome to Evangelize Me, the YouTube channel and podcast. My name is Don Smith and I'm happy to have you join me. It's been a long time since we've been able to record anything or teach anything or be involved anywhere and so I'm happy to be able to have you join me in this little study of 1 Thessalonians. We started this study a long time ago with the uh, with the plan of just working our way through Paul's letters. Uh, of course, uh, you know the the events of the last two years kind of disrupted everybody's plans and everybody's lives, including ours. And so uh, we are just getting our feet back on the ground. And I'm happy to say that uh, we can uh, looking forward. We are looking forward to teaching some classes this fall. So, without further ado, let's continue our study of 1 Thessalonians, and uh, this is Paul's earliest letter, uh, and he's writing to a church in Greece. It's a church that he didn't have a lot of time with. He, uh, he, he arrived in the city of Thessalonica, and he uh, taught and preached, and um, you know there were conversions, and the church was started, and then very shortly after that, he was run out of town, uh, being persecuted, and so he travels to Athens, and he sends Timothy back to check on them, and he's very concerned about that, you know, the fact that they don't know very much about the faith, the fact that they're new converts, the fact that there's persecution in the city, and so uh, Timothy comes back with a report of that they're doing good, and their faith is growing, and um, and you know, but there are some issues. And so one of the issues that Paul is going to address here is about the second coming of Christ. And so we, we left off halfway through chapter 4, which was an interesting place to leave off because it's about the second coming of Christ. And so for the last, uh, however long it's been, year and a half <laughs> since the last video, that I knew the next thing we're doing is the second coming of the Lord. And so, uh, and actually, it has expanded this, this uh, all my thinking and reading and studying uh, about this uh, has been very fruitful and interesting, and we'll come back and visit that in a little while about, uh, about that idea. But the Thessalonians had uh, an issue, a question around the second coming. And you can't understand this question unless you understand the mentality of the early church, that they were expecting Jesus to come back at any moment, right? Jesus, uh, you know, tells the disciples that he's coming back. He uh, ascends into heaven, and the angels say, you know, in the same way that you've seen him depart, that's how he's going to return in the clouds with great glory. And so there's this anticipation, this looking forward, and that must have been part of what Paul preached, was that uh, the, the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, who became a man, is going to return in glory and justice. <clears throat> and so um, the problem is that this young church is anticipating the return of the Lord, and as they're waiting, some people in the community pass away. And now they have this question, like, like what happens to them because they didn't they didn't uh, you know they didn't make it to the second coming are they lost do they miss out on the promise of eternal life because they died before Jesus came back which is which is a funny question for you and I because you know it's 2000 years later and lots and lots of people have died and we expect to die without Jesus coming back and so this like this urgency is very interesting and then this question about like well if, if we don't make it to the second coming, what happens to us? And so Paul wants to comfort them and encourage them and teach them about the second coming. 
And what he has to say is very profound and amazing to think about, but it's also controversial in that it's been misunderstood and misrepresented and uh, taught in lots of different ways. And so it's important to, to look at the scriptures and look at, remember we started out this study saying, it's, you look at the context, 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 right? <clears throat> So let's just jump right in. Uh, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, it's interesting that Paul uh, equates Christianity with hope here, right? Now, and which is not uncommon because we have the God of hope and he wants to fill us with hope. And, uh, you know, Paul all the way through his writings is constantly saying that uh, hope is our destiny. Like this is, you know, like uh, this, this overwhelming, overflowing hope is part of our heritage as children of God. And so he says when people die... Uh, we don't want you to grieve like pagans, right? We don't want you to grieve like other people who don't know what happens after they die or believe that like people don't exist or they just, you know, they're, uh, you know, materialism would just say they're just a body. And so Paul says, no, 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 like you need to understand something uh, that, uh, that because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we also believe that those of us who die in Christ will also rise again, right? That we will, Jesus said, that those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And so, uh, so Paul says, because Jesus rose from the dead and that we are part of Christ, we are united with Christ in his death and united with him in his resurrection through baptism. Read Romans chapter 6 if you have any questions about that. So he says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, usually, I don't know about you, but usually when you picture the second coming, if you think about it at all, uh, it's that, you know, Jesus is going to appear in the sky, and, and it's very clear in the Gospels that when, when Jesus appears, it's going to be a, a global event, right? Everybody's going to know it, and it's going to be like lightning flashing from one end of the sky to the other. Um, and he says, uh, and, and usually, like, the image is like Christ appearing in all of his glory in the sky. But Paul says something very interesting here. He says that that Jesus is going to bring with him everyone who has died in faith in him. So Jesus isn't going to appear in the sky all by himself. No, no, he's going to appear with every single person who has believed in him and had faith in him from the very beginning of creation. And so he's going to show up. And then, of course, there's other scriptures that talk about him appearing with his, uh, his legions of angels, right? And so this, this appearing in the sky of this divine um, multitude and this divine army is uh, a pretty profound and amazing image. And he says that Jesus is bringing those people back to us. And so you just think about you know, the longing that we have to see people who have passed away and the desire to see them and knowing that uh, we are going to see them and be with them when Jesus returns, right? So that's a pretty cool hope. Uh, and then he goes on and he says, according to the Lord's word, which is kind of a, a way, this is Paul, sometimes Paul says, uh, you know, I'm saying this, not the Holy Spirit. Right, because he, he he's saying I'm expressing an opinion. It's not necessarily the Lord's opinion. 
Uh, and then there are times when he says, now listen, <laughs> this isn't Paul's opinion. This is, this is directly uh, divine revelation from the Lord. This is um, directly from him. And he says, so we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So you think about, um, you know, like if, if, if you're alive at the second coming, <clears throat> then you would think, okay, so the, the people who have passed away are buried in the ground, right? <laughs> and so you'd think, well, I, like I'm going to see the Lord first before they will because they're dead and buried. Um, you know, like I'm going to see the Lord. I'm going to ha have this interaction. I'm going to see his glory. I'm going to, you know, watch the end of the world and the judgment seat and all of that stuff. And at some point they'll, they'll join us. And, and what Paul's saying is like, no, 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 that's not how it works at all. He said, this is, let me, let me tell you how this works. And so he goes on. <clears throat> he says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, this is really cool because he's laying out a timeline, right? He's laying out, not, not a timeline, but an, an order of events, right? And so the Lord himself will appear in heaven uh, at, at the same moment with, uh, with a voice of the archangel. Uh, there, you know, if you want to read about the voices of angels and how uh, amazing and profound that is, you can look in the book of Revelation uh, that... Uh, you know, where, where an angel is speaking to John and it's really loud and John is so overwhelmed by the presence of the angel that he wants to worship the angel. And the angel goes, no, 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 I'm a fellow servant, right? And so the glory of uh, the angels revealed, right? So the, the loud command, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. So you want to pause here just for a second and think, Trumpet calls are really loud, right? And so we use trumpets. We, you know, we use them in military situations to communicate and all that stuff. And um, and and certainly in the nation of Israel, they use them to call the community together. They use them in worship. Uh, but but this you have to understand is not just a human trumpet call. It's not like somebody goes up on a roof and blows a trumpet and says, "Hey, Jesus is back," right? It's a it's a divine trumpet call. Now. When you look in the scriptures, there are several places where where this trumpet, this divine trumpets, are are mentioned. Uh, some of them are in Revelation, where there's seven angels and they're given seven trumpets, and when the angels blow the trumpets, horrendous things happen on the earth, right? And so, yeah, that's part of the great tribulation, part of this um, this time at the end of time where things are going to be really awful. In fact, Jesus says it's going to be the worst time in the history of the world in this great tribulation. And so, so there's a trumpet calls there. And then there's also uh, in Exodus 19, uh, when the people of Israel are approaching Mount Sinai to receive the covenant, that uh, it says that the, the, the mountain is covered with thundering and lightning. And then there's this, this tr sound of a trumpet and that it's so overwhelming and scary and loud that the people uh, withdraw and they say, Moses, you go talk to God. <laughs> Don't let him talk to us, right? Because, you know, like we can't, this is just too much, right? And so this, this uh, trumpet call is very significant, very powerful. It's a divine thing. And then Paul goes on. And so, so Jesus appears in heaven. There's a the voice, the trumpet, the loud command. 
and it says the dead in Christ will rise first. So you think about, okay, so it's, it just said that when Jesus appears in the cloud, our, uh, those who have fallen asleep are going to be with him. That's their spirits and their souls are with the Lord when he appears, but their bodies are still in the ground. And he says the very first thing that happens when Jesus appears after the trumpet sound and the loud command is that the dead will receive their bodies back. Their bodies will rise from the dead. It's important to remember that, that Christians believe in a bodily resurrection, that when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose with a glorified body. That's why he ate with the disciples afterwards. That's why he was able to, to, to tell the disciples, hey, listen, uh, come and touch my wounds, right? This is really me. This is the same body that you've been interacting with the last three years. It's Jesus' body, his physical body, glorified and raised. <clears throat> and so we have that hope that our bodies are also going to be raised. It's kind of weird, this whole thing going on in our culture around bodies, because from, from the very beginning, Christian understanding and, and uh, Judeo-Christian understanding is that we are our bodies, our soul and spirit and body are intricately entwined, that we're not pure spirits. We, as, a, as a species, as a creature, we are the combination of physical and spiritual. That's what human beings are. And if human beings are going to live forever, then they are going to have a physical body and a spiritual essence, right? Or existence. And so that's what God is restoring to us in our redemption. And so it says the dead in Christ, their bodies will rise first. So the, so the cool thing would be to be in a cemetery when Jesus comes back, because then these bodies would arise. It doesn't matter how long they've been dead, right? It doesn't matter. Like, uh, I'm not sure what that means. Um, and so... <clears throat> So it says, <clears throat> oh, I jumped ahead there, didn't I? So it says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then it says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air so that we will be with the Lord forever. So, so okay, so Jesus appears. There's a loud trumpet call. The dead in Christ are reunited with their bodies. Their, their bodies rise and, and uh, they're reunited. And then it says, after that. So Paul's laying out this order of events, right? We who are still alive will be caught up together, caught up together with them in the cloud. So we are going to be uh, lifted up, caught up into the air to meet Christ in the air with all of the saints and all the angels. That word caught up, by the way, is the, is the you know, the scriptures are written in Greek, but when it was translated into Latin, which was used for many, many years, hundreds and thousands of years, um, that's where the word that caught up in Latin that we get the word rapture from. Now, you're probably familiar with the term rapture. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Um, but basically, it's this idea of being caught up, right? And so it says, um, we're going to be caught up together. We're going to be raptured together to meet the Lord in the air. So if you ask, hey, do Catholics believe in, in a rapture? Do they believe that we're going to get caught up and meet God in the in the clouds, Jesus in the clouds? And you say, like, yeah, we sure do, because that's what the Bible says, and that's what we've always believed. 
Now, the thing is that in modern times, there's been this, um, this, this understanding of, of the timing of this rapture, which has become this huge issue. And basically, it started in the late 1800s. There was someone in England who was a, a preacher, and he came up with this. He strung a bunch of scriptures together and you know, scriptures about like, you know, two people will be on the roof and one will be taken, one will be left. Uh, he took this scripture, will be caught up into the air, and, and uh, some scriptures that talk about being delivered from the wrath to come, which of course is relating to the tribulation. And so you put all these scriptures together and the way that he did that uh, basically said that, you know, this great tribulation at the end of time, before that happens, God is going to take his church out of the world. <coughs> now, uh, this this person's teaching got picked up by uh, a publisher who was publishing a very um, you know popular study Bible at the time, and so this teaching spread throughout the world. And uh, in the midst of this revival, you know, there's a holiness movement, uh, a Pentecostal, an outpouring of Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, there's this whole thing happening <clears throat> in the world of Christianity. And so this teaching spread like wildfire. And so to, that today, a lot of evangelicals and Pentecostals um, believe that before the tribulation happens, God's going, Jesus is going to uh, swing by, as it were. He's not, he's not like coming back, but he does appear. Well, maybe he doesn't appear, I don't know. But basically the idea is that people disappear, the Christians disappear from the planet. They get raptured, they go and meet the Lord in the sky, secretly. <clears throat> so this, this uh, uh, was really popularized by a book, um, called Left Behind, and it turned into a movie series and the whole thing. And so I had a free evening this weekend, so I thought, I'm going to leave Left Behind. Like, what the heck? I've never watched it, you know? And so I started watching uh, the movie Left Behind. And um, and so I, uh, you know, like I, one part of the movie is the, the scene where there, all these people are on an airplane and the rapture happens. And basically people just disappear, right? And so you have a man and a wife and they're sitting together and and all of a sudden the man disappears and just his clothes are there. Right? Kind of pretty weird. And then there's this woman whose kids disappear. Of course, they're under the age of accountability. So they're going to go and be with Jesus. And so she freaks out. This mother freaks out. And so the pilot comes back and says, listen, we're on a plane. Like, where could they go? Like, they're here somewhere. Right? But of course they're not. And they discover when they land that millions of people have disappeared. Just disappeared without a trace. Left their, like, clothes behind. And so there's this big mystery. Like, what is this? Is this uh, some kind of, um, uh, you know, alien abduction or some kind of poison in the air, some kind of attack on humanity. And so, uh, so there, you know, it's not figured out until someone discovers a, a video that a pastor made and the pastor uses these two scriptures, verses 16 and 17, and he reads them and says, that's what happened, that the Lord appeared in the sky and there was this trumpet sound and then we all got raptured up to meet him. But the problem with it is that this scripture, verse 16, says that when Jesus comes, there's going to be a loud command. There's going to be the voice of the archangel. There's going to be a trumpet call. This doesn't sound like a secret thing. Like all through that movie of the left behind, it's like nobody heard a trumpet. Nobody saw the Lord in the sky. Nobody, uh, you know, like uh, heard the voice of the archangel. It is just this mysterious and secret people disappearing. 
don't see that in this scripture. That's not what the scripture is saying, right? And so, uh, if you and if you look at some other scriptures that's related to this, we find the same thing. So Paul's writing to the first Corinthians, and he's talking about the resurrection from the dead, and he says this. He says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery: we shall not all sleep; we shall not all die, but some of us are going to be alive." the end of time when Jesus comes back and he says, we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Okay, so you think about uh, Jesus appears in the sky. Uh, he has the spirits and souls of all those people through all of time who have believed in him. Their bodies get resurrected and they get reunited and then we get lifted up, right? We, we get caught up into the air and we receive our glorified bodies in the twinkling of an eye, just like that, as we go and meet Christ in the air. And notice, there's a trumpet here. Isn't that interesting? The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable. And we shall be changed. Now, you can tell, at least in my opinion, this is the same event, right? Obviously, the same event that Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4. Same event, there's trumpet sounds, there's the changing and twinkling of eye, there's the raising of the dead, imperishable, right? Same order even, which is really, you know, it's nice that it's consistent. And so it's like, okay, this is, this is, uh, this involves this trumpet call and the dead rising from, from their graves. And so then it, if you look at Matthew chapter 24, which is, the entire chapter is, is dedicated to the second coming. And it says, <clears throat> interestingly, immediately after the tribulation, right, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Wow, that's cool, right? So, so Jesus appears in the sky, there's a, this trumpet call, and then the angels gather the elect, they gather the church, both living and dead, right? Uh, gather the elect to be with Christ in the clouds as he is descending to the earth to establish his kingdom, to establish a new heaven and a new earth after the final judgment. So this sounds like the same event, doesn't it? But you know what's interesting is that it, this section, this paragraph begins with immediately after the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation, then the Son of God will appear in the sky and the tribes of the earth notice everybody sees him, right? And that um, there's a trumpet call, and the church is gathered to him. See, you can't leave out the trumpet call. You can't make it secret when it's not secret. <laughs> and so, uh, so this 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 description in um, in First Thessalonians four is very significant in that it shows us the the exact order of events when Jesus returns. And as you know, the scriptures talk a lot about Jesus returning. In fact, every Sunday in church, we proclaim our belief in his return, right? Until he comes again. And so, 
trying to stay out of the sun here. Um, and so when, this fall, I want to teach a class. And the class that I want to teach is, is I, I started out calling it Preparing for Advent. Because Advent is this little four-week season right before Christmas. And, it, and, and the whole emphasis of the season, in fact, the first couple of Sundays, the readings are about the second coming of the Lord. And the idea of the season of Advent is preparing for the coming of the Lord. And of course, as, as, as Advent uh, progresses, then um, the scriptures turn towards the incarnation and Christ coming the first time as a child, as a baby, and, and we prepare our hearts to receive him, right? And so, I, so it's preparing for Advent, but it's preparing for the Advent, right? The, the culmination, the arrival of the Lord at the end of time. Because this is a very rich study. And I think it's very significant for our time because in these last two years, all kinds of things have changed, right? Um, and so you think about the things that have changed in, in our world in these last, not just the last two years or five years, but the last 50 years, the last 100 years. Um, and so there's a lot to look at, you know, the, and it's not just like, um, an impractical, what does this, you know, what, what do the scriptures say about this? But it's a very practical thing because it's the difference between the five virgins that have oil in their lamps and the five that don't. It's the difference between uh, being prepared for the, the thief in the night, right? You wouldn't have been surprised, Jesus says. And so there's something that we're supposed to be doing to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And my question is, are we doing that? Now, this scripture, this passage of scripture, oh, by the way, I don't know where I'm teaching this class yet, but I'll keep you posted because I'm pretty excited about it. And so this scripture goes on in the First Thessalonians, and it says, encourage one another with these words. So Paul is encouraging us to talk to each other about the second coming of the Lord. Isn't that coincidental? coincidental, right? So this idea that we are encouraging, like, hey, listen, when the Lord comes back, Everything's going to be perfect. It, it's perfect justice. He's going to rectify all of the sins. He's going to re bring redemption and judgment. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and no more sorrow, no more tears, no more separation from our loved ones. And so encourage one another. Encourage, hang on to this hope. And now he says, now brothers and sisters, notice we're beginning chapter 5. Now brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We don't know the day or the hour, right? You don't have a date. You'll never have a date. If anybody comes up with a date, don't listen to them, right? And so, you don't know the day or the hour, but Paul continues with something very interesting. He says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them and suddenly... It's, it's, a, it's, it's like the same uh, idea that Jesus says, like, you know, people are going to be getting married and being given in marriage right up until the, the last moment of the existence of the planet. In other words, it, it's, it, life is going to be going on normally when Jesus returns. And of course, you know, after the Great, Depre uh, the Great Depression, the Great Tribulation, this idea that, uh, you know, we're coming to a place where we're going to be safe. Right, we're going to have peace now, and that's when it'll come on them suddenly. Uh, and and it says they will not escape. Right, evil is going to get judged. Every evil act is going to be judged. 
you will be rewarded according to your deeds. And so this, uh, but the interesting part of this verse for me is it says, as labor pains come on a pregnant woman, right? So suddenly, will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Well, the thing about that is that you don't know the day and the hour that you're going to uh, go into labor, right? You, 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 you're waiting for it. You're anticipating it. But the idea is if you're nine months pregnant and you're about to have a baby, you know darn well you're about to have a baby, right? You're, you're able to read signs and know, hey, it's getting close. And it's interesting because Jesus says to the Pharisees, hey, listen, you know what seasons and what season it is? Because you can look at the trees and you can look at the leaves and say, oh, it's springtime. Or you can look at the, the buds and say, oh, it's at the middle of the summer. Or you can look at the fruit and say it's fall. He says, you can read the signs to tell you what season it is, but you missed the season of your visitation, right? When God came to you uh, and, and visited you and you missed it, because you weren't paying attention to the seasons. Now, this is very interesting to me because Paul goes on and says, you brothers and sisters are not in darkness, that this day should surprise you like a thief in the night. You know, all those warnings about the thief in the night, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're paying attention, it's not going to be a surprise to you. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about that before? It's not going to be a surprise because we're going to recognize the signs. But if you're going to recognize the signs, well, then you need to know what they are, right? And it seems to me that that this preparation, this being prepared for the second coming, is vitally important, and it becomes more and more important as time goes on. You know, our tendency as human beings is like, well, the more time goes on, the less important it is because it's like it hasn't happened in 200 years, 2,000 years. It's like, no, 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 that means we're getting closer. It means it's more important now than it was for the Thessalonians. That's, that's the truth. And the other thing about this is that if uh, the church has taught through all the centuries for thousands of years, that there's going to be a great tribulation at the end of time that we're going to have to go through, then it seems to me that we should be preparing our hearts, or maybe preparing our children's hearts, or our grandchildren's hearts, for a time when their faith, having faith, is going to be a very, very difficult thing. Remember, Jesus even says, when I return, will I find faith on the earth, right? And so, it seems to me like if you are preparing people for a tribulation of some sort, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I have no idea as to the time or the date, but I do think there's some interesting things that we could look at as far as reading seasons. And that's what we'll look at this fall. So, Paul says, you should not be surprised like it's a thief. I think that that's fascinating. He says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober, watchful, vigilant, all those words that Jesus uses. And those who, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. <clears throat> and so Paul uh, lays out for the Thessalonians this order of events. And he says, listen, this is how it's going to be at the end of time. Jesus is going to appear in the class. There's going to be a loud command, the voice of the archangel, the sound of the divine trumpet. All the nations of the earth will see him uh, and know this is the end 
Uh, the dead in Christ will be raised first and reunited with their bodies. And then we who are alive shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye and get raptured up, caught up, lifted up to be with him in the clouds as he descends upon the earth to establish his kingdom in glory. I don't know what you have, man. That's pretty exciting news. We have awesome news that our God is filled with mercy and has redeemed us, sinful humans, and redeemed our entire lives, and is going to bring perfect justice, the longing of our hearts, justice and peace and freedom from sin and shame and fear and grief. So, uh, finish reading the rest of this. We'll put out another video in the next few weeks uh, on the rest of First uh, Thessalonians. Uh, and in the meantime, I'll uh, keep you posted as to what I'll be doing this fall. Looking forward to seeing many of you again as I begin teaching in parishes. God bless you, and uh, see you soon. Hey, thanks for joining us for this podcast or uh, video on YouTube. Appreciate you joining us and look forward to having you join us uh, in our next video where we'll finish up First Thessalonians.